This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. So let's get started today because I have have an assignment today to really kind of make you guys uh, even better. You're awesome already. You've done an amazing thing in the in the first few years of this church, this is a miracle. This is not happening everywhere where churches are growing uh, this fast and, 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 and making this kind of impact like you guys are. And I have a word on my heart today. In fact, I'm going to share with you today my favorite leadership lesson. I'll just tell you, lower your expectations just a little bit. I'm not going to preach at you in the first one. I'm going to preach at you in the second one, all right? But this first one, so, so for this first one, I really want you to learn. I want to kind of go class mode. I want, to, I want to just really impart some great leadership lessons inside of you that's going to make you great at what you do. I'm going to share with you my favorite leadership verse, and I'm going to set it up for you. It's out of the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 6, favorite one in the entire Bible. If you don't know much about the book of Daniel, it's in the section of your Bible that is what's called the prophets. And what's interesting is, is this, this book... Um, this, this book is only half prophetic. Half of it actually is historical. The first six chapters are all history. The last six are this prophecy. So they put it in the prophecy section of your Bible. I don't know if you know this or not, but your Bible is not organized chronologically. They grouped it in types of books. And so this is in a whole section of the Bible where they have a bunch of prophecy books anyway. Um, but the first half is history about a season of time when Israel, because of their disobedience, is brought into captivity into what's called Babylon, which interestingly enough is where today modern-day Iraq is. But they were brought into to Babylon. The whole, the whole nation of Israel for 70 years would be in what the Bible calls exile. But basically that means they would just all be as slaves in this, in this part of the, uh, of, of the Middle East because of their disobedience to God. And they were all used as slaves. All the Israelites were used as slaves except for the ones... Uh, that, that were born into wealthy families. And to the ones that were born into wealthy families, these, these leaders of, of, of Babylon would bring those people into their own service. So they call them the, the nobility. They, they, and Daniel was one of them. He was, just, he was just of a noble family. He had education. So instead of making him do regular you know, kind of slave labor, he was literally brought into the king's palace, but only to serve the king. But it didn't take long before Daniel was not just serving the king, but having influence to the king. In fact, he would end up, he would go in, by the way, as a teenager, uh, live there well into his 70s or 80s, and, and would, would live through four different administrations of Babylon, and in every single one of them, he had influence into that administration. I actually wrote a book several years ago called The Daniel Dilemma, because what Daniel did well is he, he, learned how to, he learned how to stand for his faith and impact culture at the exact same time. Which, by the way, is the goal. You, you can't impact culture and lose your faith. And you can't have a faith that doesn't impact culture. Are you following me, everybody? And so he, he had this beautiful balance of being able to stand firm and love well at the exact same time. And I wrote a whole book about that because Christians need to learn how to do that. We can't, we, we, we don't, we're, God didn't call us to be right. He called us to be effective. We've got to make a difference. And so, so anyway, um, so um, Daniel had all this uh, influence into this culture. And it says in Daniel chapter 6, they'll put it on the screen. And, and for this session, whoever's running uh, the, the screens, just leave it up there So because I'm going to teach it. All right, so just I want them to keep seeing it as I talk about it. But it says it, it, in verse 1, it says it pleased Darius. And Darius, by the way, is the third of these kings that he would be serving. 
it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. And satraps were like city councilmen or mayors, or they were just going to be official. He needed some help running the country with three administrators over the 120. Just follow this. One of whom was Daniel, which is interesting because everybody else in the leadership was Babylonian, and Daniel was the only Hebrew. But, but Daniel had lived his life in such a way where the king Darius said, man, i got to get this guy in leadership over my 120. He's going to be one of the three that lead over the 120. Are you with me so far, everybody? Now, here's what you got to do. you got to hang in here for about, about 10 minutes of just Bible teaching and theology, and then we're going to have a whole lot of fun. I'll, make, I'll break it down. So we're going to go a little deep at first, but then we're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one, okay? So we're going, all right, all right, cool. All right, so, so <laughs> all right, but it says, but it says that, uh, that the satraps were made accountable to them, the three, so that the king might not suffer loss, so the king's co- kingdom would grow. Now watch this, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself. I want to stop right there and say, uh, it, it doesn't say that Daniel was distinguishing. It says he distinguished himself. In other words, he didn't have any qualities that made him special. He just decided, I'm going to be special. He, dis- he wasn't distinguishing, so maybe he didn't know how to sing. He didn't know how to preach. He didn't know how to do some things. But he decided, I'm going to make some choices on how I distinguish myself. I'm not distinguishing. I will distinguish myself among, watch this, the other two administrators of the three, right? And the satraps, by his, say this out loud, by his exceptional, come on, say it again. He's going to distinguish himself by his, in other words, I don't have, I don't have talent, I don't have skill, but I can have some qualities. So maybe I don't know how to do some special things, but I'm going to, I'm going to make some decisions by distinguishing myself, by putting on, one translation says, by having an excellent spirit. Now watch what happens. So the king planned, oh, if you're going to be that way, I'll just go ahead and give you the whole thing. Oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know you were going to act like that. I, I, I didn't realize you weren't just going to take this leadership role, come on somebody, and just do your part without how I told you to do it. I had no idea you were going to distinguish yourself and have some exceptional qualities. Oh, if you're going to be that way, just take the whole thing. And he says he planned to just give him the whole kingdom. If you're going to be that kind of a leader, if you're going to distinguish yourself, I'll let you have more. Are you following what I'm trying to say, everybody? And now, I, I, want, to, I want to say, um, I feel like I have moral authority to teach this. There's, there's, <laughs> you know what moral authority means? It means you've lived it so you can talk about it. Okay, that's, and I feel like I have moral authority because um, I, grew up, I grew up in Louisiana. I'm, my, our church is in Alabama, but my, I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana, all right? And uh, let me tell you what that means. That means you might not learn a thing, but we're going to have a good time, all right? So <laughs> there, are, there are currently seven reality shows on TV right now about Cajuns. And it's not because they're smart. It's because they're fun, right? So, in fact, in fact, Louisiana's 50th on every list there is in the States, right? Maybe 49, thank God, for Arkansas. Come on, somebody, right? So, all right. And I have to do that because my best, my best friend pastors a church in Arkansas, so I'm always, I always use that. I always say that just because uh, I, I got to mess with him. So I always tell, I'd always tell, his name is Rick BZ. I always tell Rick, I says, you know, your state, Arkansas, is where they invented the toothbrush. You know that, right? Because so, had it been invented anywhere else, it would have been called a teeth brush. So anyway, so anyway. Um,
I'll be here all day, folks. Thank you very much. Um, so anyway, but seriously, uh, Louisiana is, is not at the top of a mini list. Let me say it that way. And, uh, and even in our state, that was probably, you know, 48th, 49th, 50th, we're in on every list. Uh, I grew up, I was, kind of, I was kind of a C student on my best day, you know, just, just middle, middle of the pack kind of a guy. Just, just kind of hang, where are my C people at? Where y'all at? Raise your hand, help me out. Thank you. Love you. Okay, where, where are the straight A people at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Don't like y'all. <laughs> Always messing up the curve. Stay home once in a while. So just anyway. <laughs> yeah. My older, I have five children, and my oldest, uh, I have a daughter and four boys, and my oldest son, Michael, is like really smart. He uh, made a 33 on the ACT, and he got a full-ride academic scholarship uh, to the uh, University of Alabama, did his, un- did his undergrad in three years, did a four-year degree in three years. He's like really smart. Makes me sick. And uh, so, um, in fact, the last, on the last, uh, last day of, uh, of high school, we happened to be all in the kitchen whenever he received in the mail his final report card from high school, and I'll never forget, we were all standing around there, just so happened to be standing around there, and, and Michael opens up the letter, and he goes, look, Dad, Dad, look, 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 all A's again. He said, I, I never made a B in my whole life. I said, that ain't nothing, I never made a B in my whole life either, just shut up, just, just going out of here, I don't need to talk to you, right? <laughs> so anyway, so seriously, I'm that guy, okay, I'm, I'm that guy, now, I, I never, never made a B in my whole life either. And, uh, and I, I actually grew up, seriously, I was bullied as a junior higher. I, w- I grew up with an inferiority complex. Um, I was the least like. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm not, this is not false humility. I would have been the least likely to do anything, anything. And, um, and, and God got a hold of me at 15 years old when I got saved. Um, it took almost seven years for the healing process to take place on the inside of me. Even when I got my first appointment into ministry, I had to have a verse I, had a, I put this verse out of 2 Corinthians on my mirror in my bathroom that says, God has made you competent as a minister of the new covenant, not because of the letter of law, because of the spirit, for the letter kills and the spirit gives life. I, every day I had to remind myself, you didn't, God, I didn't choose me, God chose me, and you're not competent because of your education. You're competent because of what I put on your life. But forever, honestly, forever, I just didn't believe it. I just, I just honestly didn't believe it. And year after year and message after message and conference after conference, I kept hearing that I can make some character choices, some spirit choices. And if I do, I don't have to be distinguishing God. I can distinguish myself by the grace of God, and God can use me. And all I can tell you, I'm 56 now on the other side of it, and I don't even recognize myself. That's the power of God in a person's life, and it's what can happen regardless of the starting point. I just, I'm just letting you know you can distinguish yourself. So I want to give you a little theology here. If you'll give me about five minutes to teach you an interesting principle uh, out of Scripture about how to do this. So the question, because the question is, now just think with me for a moment. The question is, how does it happen? Like, how, how do you actually go from this to being someone who can have that kind of influence? And I think that's what we're here to do as a conference. We're here to say, we love our church, we love our pastors, we love our vision, but it's only going to happen if the team is exceptional. By the way, I don't know if you know that or not, but it really doesn't matter what's in the heart of your pastors. You can't do anything without a team. That's why Jesus' first thing that he ever did is put together a team. He didn't even focus that much on his public ministry. He focused on building his team. 
In fact, half the time he, pro- he preached a message, the Bible says the crowd went away not knowing what Jesus was talking about, which means he probably wasn't even that great of a communicator. I know that offends some people, but I, they just went out. What was he talking about? Pfft, not a clue. You know, that's, they, but he says he took his disciples off to the side and explained the parables to them. He, did, he, knew, he knew if he had things like what we're doing today, if he'd pour into his leaders, that's how you can touch a city. So that's what we're doing today. We're trying to pour into you to make you better. And this is the process. I want you to see it. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6, 17 and 18. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Now the Spirit, by the way, the word Spirit in your Bible is not a translated word. It's a made-up word for a word we didn't have a word for. Let me say that again. There's several times in the Bible there are words that the English translators had to create because the Greek language and the English language didn't have a word for each other. So, Because the word there in the Greek is the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, like pneumonia, pneuma. And, and, and pneuma, the reason why the translators could not put the word, right word there is because, the, here, here's, I'm, I'm going to tell you what the word pneuma means. You ready for it? Here it goes. So it's not breath, it is breath. Like the word's not breath, it is breath. That's The word is, so it's not the word breath. In fact, some places in the New Testament where you see where the new, word pneuma in the Greek is there, the translators use the word wind. And I'm going somewhere, just hang with me. So it says the Lord is, the, the Lord is this breath of fresh air. This, the Lord is this thing you can't see, but you know when it's there. The Lord, the Lord puts wind in your sails. You're going and propelling yourself in ways. Like how, how did I get going this fast? Because there's in your sails. That's the word. So, so you've got to grab that, okay? And the Lord is, and wherever the is, there's freedom. Lives are changed. Marriages are healed. Okay, so, so, but what's interesting is the next line. So it builds this whole, hey, we have a God who is, and, and wherever that is, great things happen. And watch the next line. And we. So now it translates from who he is to who we can become. And we who with unveiled faces, and that's just a fancy Bible way to say you can have direct access to God. We with unveiled faces are to reflect the Lord's glory and be transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, since he is that way, the Bible is saying that you can become that way as well. So in other words, leaders can become a, you can become a breath of fresh air. You can be this one that, when you walk in the room, wow, this room just feels different now. And how does it happen? By being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. Are you following that, yes or no? I'm just trying to say that the hope, the hope of a team like you is that you're carrying around the pneuma, the breath, the wind, the power of God in everything that you do. That, that's the hope. And it happens as we're transformed into his likeness. So the next question I would ask then is then what does he look like? So in other words, if I'm going to be a person who is a breath of fresh air kind of a leader, and in order to be a fresh air leader, that I've got to take on the likeness of Jesus, then what does Jesus look like? Are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, if you want to develop your leadership, all you have to do is develop your develop the process of looking more like Jesus. 
But again, but the question is then what does he really look like? And there's a word in there that's used twice that gives us a hint. It keeps saying the glory of God, the glory. We were transformed into the glory of God. What is, what is the glory of God? Again, theology, three more minutes, and we're going to go practical and have some fun. Just, just got to grab this. You got to see this. Because there's two places, Old Testament and New Testament, where it describes the glory of God. I want you to see this. Watch this. Revelation chapter 4. In the center of the throne, and we're talking about heaven now. This is John's revelation of eternity in heaven. In the center of the throne is this creature. It's called the four living creature. And this creature is covered in eyes in front and back. And the first was, was the creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had the face of a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. So again, in the middle of the throne of God, when you get to heaven, you're going to see this creature, one body, four heads. And it has the face of a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. You following me, yes or no? Yes? Okay. And it says, and this is in the middle of the throne, and it says, this is the glory, this is where the glory of God is. Let me show you the same passage in the Old Testament, because it actually says it. Ezekiel chapter 1, their faces looked like this. Each, had, each of the four had the face of a human being. On the right side had the face of a lion. On the left, the face of an ox. And also had the face of the eagle. Verse 28, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. In other words, this is what God looks like. In other words, these four faces represent the likeness of God. Have you ever wondered why we have four different accounts of Jesus' life called the Gospels? Not just one. No, no, no. It's because Jesus is so multifaceted, not one story could show what he really looks like. And could it be that these four faces correspond with those four Gospels? And could it be that each one of those Gospels gives us a different face of what Jesus looks like? That if we'll be transformed into that likeness, we become a breath of fresh air kind of a leader just like our Jesus is. So it just seems like to me if we'll just work at letting our lives become the face of these four things. So I'm going to take them to you one at a time. I'm going to give you the face. I'm going to give you the gospel that it corresponds with and what you can do to look more like it. And here's my theory, that if we'll just keep letting our lives be transformed into the likeness of our God, we know exactly what he looks like. Why don't we look like that? Here's, here's the first one. Are you ready for it? Yes or no? Yes? All right, here's the first one. Write it down if you're taking notes. And again, I'm, I'm sorry I'm giving you so much detail. I'm just, just trying to pour into your leadership. Okay, here's the first one, and that is the face of the lion. The face of the lion. And the face of the lion is, is, the, is the lion was bold, anointed, powerful. Where does the power of God come from? Our love for God. In other words, the value that gets the face of the lion on the inside of all of us is that we're in love with God. We're connected to God. We've spent time with God. We, we care about his face because we've been with him. Are you following me? Yes? Like this is one of the faces of the God we serve and certainly of Jesus is that he was powerful, is that he was anointed. In other words, he didn't just sing well. He just didn't play drums well. He didn't just do graphics well. No, no, no. He had spent time with Jesus kind of a leader. He carried about a presence of anointing. Look in my eyes right here. We need every single one of you guys to carry about this face. We need more than your skill set. We need more than your availability. We need more than your servanthood. We need more, we need more than all that. We need, listen to me, we need you to come to this place every week having spent time with Jesus. Like as a leader, I tell my staff, the greatest thing that you possess for me is not what we hired you to do. 
the greatest thing you carry for me as on my team is that you love God. That you're really, what ministry is, is the overflow of my own personal relationship with God. And if I'm not overflowing, my cup runs over, the psalmist said. It means that I have more than I need, but, and now I can spill over everything onto the people around me. That's love for God. What gospel is that? That's the gospel of John. Uh, the gospel of John is unique. Um, in fact, they call, this may not be interesting to you, but I love teaching people new things. The first three gospels, they call them synoptic gospels. which The word synoptic is a fancy theology word that just means same. They kind of all look the same. John's is not nothing like the other three. John, John never describes the details of Jesus' life. He shows him as a powerful God. In fact, a couple of the Gospels have a genealogy. Yeah, this person begat this person begat this person begat this person begat Jesus. John goes, no, in the beginning was the word. I mean, he was, sh he was showing God as this powerful, anointed. So you see, you see John describing Jesus. He's the great I am. He's the water of life. He's the vine. He's the shepherd. He's the, like he's just, he's bigger than life. He's he, 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 is, he is God. See, Chris, how do, I, how do I get that in my life? Watch Acts chapter 4. One of my favorite verses, especially because of what I already told you about my own life. It says that in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, like courage, boldness, like a lion, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. By the way, the Greek word there for unschooled, you ready for it? It's the word in the Greek, idiotaste. Like the translators, if they were really put the right word, they were a bunch of idiots. They just like, they were from Louisiana. Come on, somebody, right? So you get it, right? They were unschooled, ordinary men, but everybody's astonished by them. Why? Because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Right? Wait, wait, wait. It's just a little different there. Right? Wow. Wow. What, what's going on here? And I'm just telling you, as leaders... One of the best gifts you give the city of L.A. is not your skill set, not your availability, not your servanthood, not even how nice you are. No, I've been with Jesus. So when somebody comes in and they're just discouraged and they're hurting, hey, why don't we just, you know, nothing goofy, why don't we just pray right now? And you grab their hand and you just ask God to do a miracle in their lives. And watch how God uses every single one of you to touch people's lives by the power of God because you've spent time with Jesus. Are you following me? Three quick things to develop it. I always, I don't love, I don't like to inspire someone and not tell them what to do. I'm, I'm all about practical Christianity. Three things you can do. Write them down. You can develop your closeness with God. Closeness, I call it. Close, closeness is important because a lot of people are, um, a lot of people are uh, reading their Bible and praying, but that's not the goal. The goal wasn't to read or pray. The goal was to spend time and get close to God. Develop your character. You, char character invites the presence of God. In other words, I'm, I'm, your sin life matters. I mean, it, there are things that we can do that quench the spirit of God operating in our lives. So we develop our character and then we develop our calling. You develop those three things in your life and you'll develop this love for God. Are you with me, everybody? Understand? All right, let's go to the second one. Just, we we got to get going here. All right? The second one. Because the second face is very interesting. The second face is the face of the man. Remember, he's, God doesn't just look like a lion. But he also looks like a man. And what is the face of the man? The face of the man is relationships. It's, it's love for people. Like, 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 like it's not enough just to care about the, oh, I've been anointed. I've spent time with God. No, no, no. Like you have to learn people skills as well. 
Now, before I give you the rest of these four, let me say something to you. You're probably going to be naturally good at one of these, pretty good at two of these, and really bad at the fourth one. I don't even mind telling you which one is tough for me. Like, there's one of these that I just do naturally. I, don't even, I really don't even have to work on having that face. But there's a, and there's a couple of them, eh, I do pretty well with them, and there's one of them I really have to work on. I'll, hint, it's this one for me. I'm a task-oriented person. I walk into a room, and, and I'll, I'll notice, oh, that light's out. These chairs are crooked. You know, I just, I start sitting, and there could be a person crying over there. I'm like, yeah, those chairs need to be straightened over there. You know, just, I know, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm just admitting it, right? So what do I do? I'm asking God, God, keep making me more like this. Transform my life. Now, if you want the gospel that teaches us this, it's the gospel of Luke. In fact, the gospel of Luke has a genealogy at the beginning of its gospel. And it doesn't go back just to the Jewish genealogy. It goes all the way back to Adam. Because what Luke was trying to say is, he's not just God, he's one of us. Like, he's, all, he's a part of all of us. He's man. And, and Luke's gospel is unique in that it tells the most stories. Because there's nothing more relational than storytelling. And so just lots of parables. He has the most parables. And Luke's whole goal was to show Jesus as someone you could actually relate to. And you just need to know that one of the faces that we need you, the Zoe leaders, to carry about you is not just that we spent time with God, but we know how to treat people the right way. We have people skills. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. We're not just here to preach to you. We're here to give you us too. We're here to give you relationship. It's very important. Now, again, for those of you who aren't wired that way, some of you are. You're just naturally sanguine. Pastor Chad is that way. People! Ah! I mean, he just walks in. And you smile. Come on, got the best smile in Christianity. Isn't that right, everybody? Just people. Where, there they are. Like, and I'm, I want to go alone. And my favorite day of the week is my study day by myself in my study, right? So. Which, what, what do we do? We, we, we've got to develop some qualities and learn how to, three things. Let me write, write them down. They'll put them on the screen again. Three things that you can do to develop this. And first is see people not as they are, but as they could be. So that's a big one, by the way. And I, don't, I see a lot of young people in this room, and um, maybe not, not that many of you have children. I have I have five kids and now have five grandkids, which is, by the way, the best part of my life. And um, it's awesome. And for those of you guys who have kids without grandkids um, and they're driving you crazy, let them live. Better ones are coming. Just let them live. Which is, just, I'm telling you, these grandkids are amazing. And so um, my kids drove me nuts, honestly. My, my, I mean, they all love Jesus. They, it, it, seriously, I'm, I'm being very serious. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life is raise kids, hands down. And, um, and they all love the Lord. They're all in ministry. We're on the other side of a lot of stories, some of, some of them that I can't even tell you yet, right? And, and um, my middle son, David, uh, put most of the gray hairs that I have on my head. He, he's responsible for 98.2% of them. And, um, in fact, on Good Friday one year, I don't know if you know, you, you know this story, Pastor Chad, but on Good Friday in 2011, got a phone call, just finished preaching the first of what was going to be like, 80 services that weekend. It's a crazy weekend for Easter. And, and the phone rings, and it's the police department. Yes, it was the police department. And, 
Mr. Hodges, they didn't know I was the pastor. Mr. Hodges, we, uh, we have your son. Like, you do? You know, no, he's spending the night with somebody. No, he's not. He's spending the night. He's, he's in the back seat of our car. So I get in the car and I go over there. They had done some underage drinking. Some people reported it, got, got in trouble. And it, was, it, it wasn't that big of a deal, but it was a deal, right? It's just, it, he's arrested, you know. He's arrested. That's a big deal, you know. So, um, so when I pull up on this scene, there were five boys involved. That, and when I pulled up, this dad was just berating his kid. That's it. I'm done with you. I'm sick of you. I'm sending you away. This is the last straw. And I thought, man, I got to get this right because that ain't how you do it. You know, and so, so I went over. David was sitting in the back of the police car. The police said, yeah, he's right back there. You can go sit. I went back there. I went, hey, buddy, what's up? You know, just like that because <laughs> I was trying to not be the other dad, you know, and He's just bald crying, just come bald. Man, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And, I, and I told him that night, I said, I know this is what you did, but that's not who you are. I'm telling you. By the way, your heavenly father feels the same way about you. When, he, when you do something that dis displeases him, I'm telling you, he goes, hey, buddy, I know that's what you did, but that's not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. You got to see people, put it back on the screen. You got to see people as they could be, not as they are. Write this down now. You got to say what you see. I'm telling you, one of those powerful things you can do as a leader is to walk up to people and just speak blessing over them. I see a champion in you. You can change the world. You're going to help us do, like, just bam, just speak life over people and then start a process to develop them. Like, always... Always just bring somebody along for the ride. It's not as hard as you think. If you have a job, and you probably do in this great church as, as part of the, the team, the, the leadership team, always bring somebody with you along for the ride. Like tomorrow, if you're a part of the setup team, invite somebody in the church who's not a part of the team. Hey, why don't you come hang out with us in the setup team and just always develop people. This is what people, people do. All right, everybody, you following me? Because we're going to put on the face, not just of a powerful, anointed God-filled, spent time with Jesus lying. No, no, no. We're going to have the face of the man, too. i got to get going. Here's the third face. And this is the one I do naturally. It's the face of the eagle. And it's just the face of excellence. My dad, my dad was one of the most meticulous people I've ever met. Our lawn looked like he had cut it with scissors. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, we, we, we've never been late in our whole life. My dad was just meticulous, loving, loving with all of my heart, best man in my wedding. That's how I feel about him. My, but the brother dots every I, crosses every T. And that kind of jumped on me. This is the spirit. And the eagle is that. When you think of an eagle, the bald eagle, the, it's a symbol of dignity, respect, honor, excellence. I saw, I first, first time I ever came to California, I was up in Northern California with my oldest son at a father-son camp deal, Christian camp deal, and we were doing some whitewater rafting um, up there, and we were driving in the car to go to the rafting spot, waving through the canyon, and it was with Rick Bezet and his son, Hunter, they, they were in the, and, and he, Rick says, hey, I think I saw a bald eagle, Woo! we pull over, like, because I'd never seen one in the wild before, and there was, I said, where, I can't see, he said, it's right up there, I was like, I can't see it, and he clapped, just pow. Just real loud and echoed through the canyon. And that eagle, just one flap, poof. 
didn't fly away, just kind of like, y'all messed up my nap, what's up? You know, just, <laughs> and just kind of hovered over us, just, just never flapped, just you only took one flap, bam, I'm up here, bam, just, and we were just, nobody said a word, two dads, two 13-year-old boys, and I was like having a, my country tis, I mean, I was having a moment, you know what I'm saying, I was like, Okay, you ready for this? One of the faces of your God is that. One of the faces of your God is when people walk around and they go, wow, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting, wow. Uh, wow. Why? Because if we put our hands to it, we're going to do it right. Isn't that right, everybody? We, the whole goal is like not just to give them the power of God, not even just be nice to them as a friend, but like, Wow. This is another level. I wasn't quite expecting this. Wow. Excellence. Excellence. How, how, do you, how do you develop this spirit of excellence? Let me give you, I always like to give you three takeaways. Put them on the screen. We'll let you write them down. And that is, if you put your hands to it, do it well. Just aside, if I touch it, I'm not doing it halfway. I do all things well. Here's another level. I do it before I'm asked. My favorite quality of a leader, by the way. My favorite quality of a leader is initiative. I love it. Hey, 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 Johnny, could you come over here and do this for me? Pastor Chris, I've already done it. Raise, getting a raise. You know, just I just love people like that. Just I love people who are just one step ahead of me. And then honestly, go the second mile. Do more than is expected. Just be that kind of person. I'll tell you a fun story. I was I've been in ministry 36 years now, 18 of it as an associate pastor, the last 18 as a senior pastor at, 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 in Highlands. And I love my associate years. My, I, I had this goal, Pastor Chad, just to be the best number two guy in the world. I, just, I, just, I decided I was going to serve my pastors, listen to what that was important to them, and honestly drop everything else. and just If they mentioned it, I'd learned this as a leader, just listen to your leaders talk. And whatever they're excited about, just get excited about it. Just so our pastor bought, now my job was a, I was a small groups coordinator over thousands of small groups. It was just a, it was a big part of Baton Rouge, and this was my responsibility. But our pastor was always talking about this new TV station that the church just bought, like this whole TV station with a studio and cameras, and he's going to do live TV and have stream TV, and it's all he's talking about. Like, he's not talking about groups, not talking about church. Talking about TV. It's like, okay, you're excited about TV. Well, they, the, first, the first day that they were going to do this live show called Lifeline, he was going to do this live kind of Oprah-style interview live show called Lifeline, I just decided, not my job, just to show up at the studio for the opening day because that's what he's excited about. I get there about 15 minutes to 10, which is going to start live at 10 o'clock, and the whole place is scurrying like things are out of control. And I said, what's going on? They said, Pastor Larry's guest is not here, and we can't find him. And, I, and finally, they got him on the phone. Hey, so-and-so, where, you know, you're, where are you? Where are you? Hey, I'm running about 30 minutes late. I'll be there soon. No, 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 this is live. He goes, oh, I thought it was taped. I'm so sorry. I can't. There's no way I can get there. Five minutes, the producer yells out. They turned to me and said, said Pastor Chris, you're going to have to be Pastor Larry's guest today. I'm like, what? What? I'm, I'm a guest on the, on the TV show? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to be the guest. Like, and next thing I know, they're throwing me into a chair, putting makeup on my face, y'all. I just, I don't do makeup. I'm sorry. You just, this is what you get. I'm sorry. You know, 
putting like, like, and then, and then Pastor Larry walks in, just all calm, you know, my, just comes in, like, Pastor Larry, three minutes, what, I don't even know what the topic is, what are we, what are we, nobody's debriefed me, I don't know the, is there any, is there any, like, topic, or what are you going to do, and, and one minute, I'm like, he, he says, don't worry about it, I'll, I'll ask long questions so you can think of answers, I'm like, what, what, that's the plan? I've never been on TV in my life. I was going to 200,000 homes here in like one minute. Sure enough, five, four, three. Hello, I'm Pastor Larry Stockstill. Welcome to our debut program of Lifeline. I'm joined today by my co-host, Chris Hodges. True story. Not guest, co-host. And I was in front of 200,000 people five days a week for seven years. True story. Just because I showed up. That's something, just attention to detail. Care, come on, care about the little things. Isn't that right, everybody? Let me say it again. I'm not that distinguishing. I distinguished myself. Because we had 22 pastors on staff, and they weren't there. Come on, somebody, right? And they heard the same excitement about the TV thing. No, it's just a decision to say, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to have an attention to detail. I'm going to do things well. I'm going to listen to me. God will give you more, but you've got to take care of what you have right now. I mean, don't ask God for the kingdom when you can't take care of the floorboard of your own car. Come on, somebody, right? Seriously. Excellent. Everybody say excellence. Yeah, we love God. That's anointing, power. I've spent time with God, the face of the lion. We, we had the face of the man. We're going to learn how to be relational. We're going to take care of people, see them as they are, see them as, see, see them as they could be, not as they are. We're going to be relational, loving people well. We're going to do things. If I put my hand on it, no, 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 this matters. No, 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 that has to be angled. Let's, yeah, that's better. That's better. I mean, just, no, that matters. Just the detail. Yeah, because we're representing our God, and there's an eagle face to him. The book of Matthew, by the way, is the, is the, is the gospel. Matthew was an accountant. He was always going to be detailed. It's the most detailed gospel. It quotes the Old Testament the most. So if he didn't just say, yeah, it's in the Old Testament. No, here's the reference. Details, details. Sweat the details. Here's the last face. And that is the face of the ox. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? I'm, I'm just, trying to, just trying to help you. You got to know what you got to look like, right? We're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to do things with excellence. And the face of the ox is attitude, attitude. The ox, the ox is such a servant, he'll either plow your field or let you kill him to be a sacrifice on the altar. Doesn't matter to me, I'm just here to serve. Attitude, just the, the face of attitude. It's just a, just a joyful, willing servant. There's only one gospel left, so you know which one it is. It's the Gospel of Mark, which, by the way, interestingly enough, I love these little trivial facts. The Gospel of Mark, he's not hardly mentioned in Scripture. Like, who's this Mark guy? We know who Matthew. It's probably Peter's Gospel, and he's so sanguine, he didn't want to write. He got a ghostwriter named Mark. I mean, it's so funny. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, what's up? You know, just, hey, write this for me. You know, it's just. It's true, true. And, and, and Pe Peter was this sanguine, bounce off the wall. Sure, I'll jump out and walk on the water with you, Jesus, kind of a guy. He had, he had this consummate attitude. Another person who had just this consummate attitude in the New Testament was the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's just an amazing guy. 
I mean, in every way, the guy had just a, what I call a can-do attitude, just like, oh, yeah, sure, because he was hard-pressed on every side. He was, but not, never, the Bible says he was never perplexed. Just, just didn't bother, it just, no, it just doesn't bother me. In fact, at one place he mentions all the things that he went through. He was five times he got the 39 lashes that Jesus got once that nearly killed Jesus. Paul got it five times. Shipwrecked, beaten with rods. He spent a, a night and a day in the open sea, 36 hours bobbing around the Mediterranean like a cork, just wondering if, a, if someone's going to eat. I mean, the guy went through, crawled up to safety on an island, and a snake bites him. I mean, it was bad for him on every side. And he just, like, he was stoned. And somebody people think, well, at least he got a little relief. No, 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 no. That was with rocks, not, it just, I actually said that once. I said he got stoned, like, well, thank God. No, like, no, no, this was not that. But put it on the, put, it, put the verse on the screen in, in 2 Corinthians. It says, he says, he was sorrowful yet. You know, what lead, you know what great leaders do? They have yet. I know I had a bad day, but yet I'm still rejoicing. Poor, yet making many. I, I'm poor, but that's okay. I'll make everybody else rich. It's all right. Having nothing. Come on, say it with me. Yet possessing everything, right? Just let them, I'm going to choose joy. Everybody say that. Choose. I'm going to love God. Love people. Pursue excellence. Choose joy. I'm just going to be that person. I'm going to take responsibility for the room. Put the three things on the screen for them so they can see them. Be a servant. Be positive. Be enjoyable. That's it. I'm just going to be enjoyable. I'm a, I, I tell my team, take responsibility for the room. That's your room. Serve. I need, I need people who come with me not with problems, but with problems that have solutions attached to them. I need, I need, be positive. Oh, Pastor Chris, we really have a problem. Yeah, what's the solution? Be positive. Give me some, po I, <laughs> I, I drown where there's negativity, honestly. I just, they don't stay on our team very long, to be honest with you. And, and just be enjoyable. High five. What's up? Come on. Just enjoy. Just like, I'm telling you, your pastors are two of the most enjoyable people. I come around here just to be, just to be around them because they lift me smiling, happy, funny, be enjoyable. I call it the Tigger attitude. Come on, somebody. Y'all know who Tigger, y'all, some of you are too young. If you had, if you had little kids, you, because, I mean, Winnie the Pooh is the study in human, in, in humanity. You got, you got this nervous, nervous little piglet, this neurotic, this, this naive Pooh, ah, nothing matters, this know-it-all owl, this depressed donkey, this sassy kangaroo, but then you got Tigger, baby. Tigger comes in the room singing his own song, the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Tigger's a wonderful thing. Tops are made out of rubber. Bottoms are made out of spring. Bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Be here all day, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm all, all day. Thank you very much. Stop. Stop. Don't. Don't stop. All right, so. <laughs> and when you ask Tigger, hey, Tigger, you want to go pick apples? You know what his answer is? Sure. That's what Tiggers do best. You want to go ice skating? Sure. That's what Tiggers do best. You want to go change L.A.? Sure. 
That's what the Zoe, that's just, that just happens to be what I do best. Sure. It's just this, yes, come on. Come on, we got this. We can do this.